0: Today is Friday, June 11th, 2021, Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And it is time for episode 148. And in honor of the feast, did everyone have a feast? I know that uh, my wife and I had our delayed date night and we were just chatting a minute ago. It's a first class feast. First class feast. Um, I know that some people say you can eat meat on first class feasts. What exactly is the rule on that? I I didn't. I had salmon and and um Brussels sprouts and broccoli, but um I, what's the what's the rule on that?
1: I believe Father Z posted on this and the rule is that yes, if a first class solemnity falls on a Friday, then yes, you are allowed to feast with the the meat of the red meat of beasts as it were. But, you know, my my whole thing is that I I like seafood and I like, you know, it's 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 not that big of a deal for me. Um, for me, eating, eating fish on Friday is it's honestly speaking. It's really not, it's not a penance so much as it's doing something to remind you that this is Friday. You know, I mean, we're, we're not suffering if we have, you know, a very, if you have a restaurant that does, does a very nice piece of salmon with some nice sauce or, you know, shrimp, I like shrimp, all those things. It, it, it to me, it seems like um, I, I don't like to eat eat meat on Fridays. When like on, on an occasion like this, it just seems like seriously, you can't you can't do one little teeny teeny tiny thing to rem- to remind yourself of the reality of our Lord's passion and death. And I mean, and he's, he's so good and he's so loving. He's, he's like, it's okay. Just go eat this other completely delicious thing today, but do something to, to remember me and remember my passion and think about my passion. And it does, even though you're eating something that's delicious and you love it and you're, you know, it's, it's no problem at all. No problem at all. It does make you stop and think, Oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. And the other thing is, is, I don't know, you shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't be ostentatious about it, obviously. But it comes up in conversation, you know, when you're in a restaurant, and you're, you're talking to the wait staff, you're talking to your waiter. And it it doesn't come up every Friday, but it comes up once in a while where you say, "Um, you know, it's Friday, it's Friday, so I need to, I need to have something um, without meat, I can do fish and, and, just that little subtle thing where they see that, hey, here's a person who actually does observe the Friday abstinence. Um,
0: yeah, but isn't that calling attention to yourself if you specifically say, I'd like to have something else, but it's Friday, I'm going to have fish instead? As opposed to, you're going to someplace, even if it's a steakhouse. A lot of steakhouses do surf, surf and turf, so they, they're they going mm-hmm. to have some very good seafood options.
1: Oh, yeah, they're going to have lobster, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> just, just ordering a salmon, that's not exactly... Uh, unusual i mean why call attention to yourself but saying it's friday
1: true 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 good point good point so yeah um i didn't eat any meat today um but uh, like i said we'll put it in the show notes i'm pretty sure father z put a post up specifically about the day today because it's a first class solemnity on friday so yeah I I think you're okay. I think you're okay if you had a steak tonight.
0: Okay, so we have the the question out of the way whether or not you can eat meat on a first class feast, which is well, useless at this point for anyone listening to the podcast with regard to the Feast of the Sacred Heart, but keep that in mind in the future because there will be other first class feasts that happen on Fridays. So um between you know, just email Father Z if you're not sure. I guess he'll he'll answer you, right?
1: Well, I mean we'll put we'll put the um we'll put his post in the show notes and his post isn't just specific to the feast of the sacred heart. It's, it's a general broad, it's a general question, you know, and I think he answered it very well and happy to happy to give him the link and happy to help, help people out there, not be, not be scrupulous, you know?
0: I was being firmly tongue in cheek. I know he gets a ton of email, so saying just email Father Z, he'll get back to you. It it, that's that's, it's it's a joke, (laughs) and and honestly, he'll get
1: back to you within the hour.
0: (laughs) Honestly, you know, if you do have a question for Father Z, um, check his blog. He he does follow one of the one of the. I don't think I've anybody's ever had this conversation with him. He just seems to be an intuitive blogger in the sense that, um, I and this this was this. This was something that was codified in a blog post and maybe podcast from somebody who worked at Microsoft, who was one of their outreach people who gets tons and tons of emails and questions. And the the rule of thumb he used is that if it was a a question that he received the second time, he will he will write a, a blog post about it, and then the second person who asked him the same question, he will send them the link to the blog post. And right. typically, that was. The, the blog post was largely copied and pasted and then edited and expanded upon from the original email. But the, the his line of thinking was, even if the exception was that uh, only two people would ever ask the same question in a short period of time, typically what happened is a lot of people have the same question and they just don't ask it. They go hit Bing or Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever they're using these days and try to find an answer. And not everyone knows the email address of somebody who works at Microsoft, who actually has the job of answering questions to people on the internet about technology, and so Father Z. If you have a question about something in particular, go look at his blog and search the the archives or, or use the search box or go yeah, to Google or, Google or Google or Bing and search his website specifically uh, on a search term. Do your due diligence because at that point, if you do finally email him, his email address is on his website. When you do finally email him, you say, father, I have this question and I did search your website. I searched your website with Google and Bing and all the other search tools and I still didn't find the answer. I don't want to waste your time, but here's my question. I'm pretty certain he's going to be more lenient to something like that than somebody who never checked anything and is basically saying, do my homework for me, which is how, how, and I say this as a programmer who's been active on, on question and answer websites in the past, A lot of the questions posted to these websites are like, hey, do my homework for me. (laughs) As opposed to, I've been racking my brains against this edge case for four hours. How do I solve it? Right. And I can't find documentation from anybody. Use
1: the search box on a blog like mine or Father Z's. Use the search box. It works. I use my own search box all the time to find my own essays. And just use common sense and use the most specific word or phrase that you can with regards to what you're looking for you know i mean don't don't go into my into my search box and type in i mean what would be something like the word anti pope because i use the word anti pope in like 75% of my posts so that's not going to do you any good you need to drill down on what specifically you're looking for what specific topic and those search boxes work and the other thing i do is in a uh, in a public you know like Bing or DuckDuckGo or Google, um, I type in if I'm looking for one of my own um, essays or something, I type in my last name and then the specific topic that I'm looking for, and that will that will drive a search engine to just to pull up whatever I've written about it, and that works very well too. But start start always first and foremost with the, with the. The search box that's built into the blog, because that's what it's there for.
0: Although uh, it's not always the best one, and I'm—I already wrote down that I'm going to put in the show notes uh, a link to how to, uh, maybe it'll be a bit of collection of links, or maybe I'll have to write a blog post about this, or I'll find one and link to it. Uh, the different ways you can use the search engines to specifically search your website, because your website is a WordPress engine. So mm-hmm. if you were to search on the word anti-pope, you're going to get the phone book. You're going to get half your blog at that point. Yeah. Yeah. However, if you go into Google and did site colon Barnhart biz space and then your specific search term, what that instructs Google to do is say, only look at the website barnhart.biz and then apply the search term to what your uh. database knows about this. Each okay. website's a little bit different. DuckDuckGo is just Google and drag. Well, it's not drag. It's it, there's, a, there's a privacy layer involved. So Google doesn't really get much information uh, from DuckDuckGo or any information. I'm not exactly sure. I use DuckDuckGo all the time, and I'm not worried about it. Um, there are a handful of good search engines out there. Bing is a halfway decent one because Microsoft... They're, they're not sufficiently organized to do evil in the world outside of vaccines. When it comes to search engines, they are not sufficiently organized to uh, do evil. Uh, if Apple had a search engine, they really would not be ser- organized uh, to do things evil. Uh, there are some other ones like Cirex, or I think it's pronounced search. I'll, I'll, I will develop this link in the show notes. It may end up being okay. a blog post on its own. But the, the, the point is that you can go to Google or your favorite search engine and, and tell your search engine, look just at this one website, whether it's Father Z's website or Ann's website, and then apply this search term to your known database of, about this website and pull mm-hmm. up information. And there are times where, uh, of late, uh, I try to find the do a search on the word ivermectin, and it gets the phone book. So it's like, okay, yeah. that's not really what I was, that's not helpful. I'm looking for a particular term, and the WordPress search engine is not, it's not Google. That's not what the WordPress team does. They're not search engine experts, they're content management system people. So even if you give a precise search term in the WordPress search, it may not, it almost, uh, if it's a precise search term, you almost certainly will not get the same result from the search box there as you would by doing a site uh, specific search on a search engine. So I'll, I'll develop that some more but uh, i mentioned ivermectin on purpose that's been uh there there has been there have been several stories coming out of late um and several blog posts from you from whether it's um uh, <laughs> the pony paste uh you know, being uh $12 versus 550 for skincare right uh, or uh, just just the amazing properties of ivermectin i think it's time to to redux this and also to point out that there is now a new top level link on your website, which now means I need to go think about reorganizing (laughs) and redesigning your website to make that look a little less, uh, odd.
1: Sorry, I know, but that's, that's kind of how we roll. I was thinking if there was anything I could do to compress or remove any of those menu bar links, but really not. I, I want them all there, but yeah, whatever you can do to, to Make it pretty. But yeah, that was, I should have done that a long time ago and, you know, dumb and lazy and whatever else you want to attribute it to. But I just, it just finally got to the point where, you know, all of these emails are coming in and coming in and they'll continue to come in and that's fine. But now I'll have this top level page and all I have to do is reply if somebody needs you know, the rundown on ivermectin, if they're, if they're a newbie, I can just send them straight to this page. And, um, I was, I joked with you, I sent you a message and we were talking about, uh, you setting up, um, uh, backup protocols. And I was like, yeah, we need, we need to kick up the frequency of that because I'm, I I don't think that's a
0: joke either. I I did kick up and I'll talk about the backup protocols in a minute, but, but go on about, about ivermectin.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, and I've gotten lots of emails from people saying, "And you can't do this. You're you're giving medical advice and you can't do this. And I'm like, you know what? I, I really don't care at this point. It's completely worth it. So many people have already been helped by this. It's totally 100% worth it. And, you know, we're um, super nerds going to back up the site. And I'll, I'll repeat what I said at the end of my Koran burning. Anyone who wants a piece of me can come and get it. Um, But I'm not playing these games and I'm not going to cower in fear and I'm not going to withhold information of about this drug, which is basically the safest drug in the world and is efficacious against cold and flu viruses and, and, Heaven knows what else. I mean, it's cl- it's clearing up rosacea. I, there was a post where <laughs> they are gonna say, "Well, what are you gonna say next, Dan? It's the cure for cancer." Um, actually, <laughs> there are some there are some indications that it has anti-tumor properties.
0: And that was I from mean, the that document was from the CDC, if I remember correctly, or yeah. was it the New England Journal of Medicine? It, it was a real document. You know, I'm, it, gonna, it was, yeah. I'm gonna put
1: this in the show notes. Yep, absolutely. I mean. It, it, I am I am so so far past being afraid of anyone or anything at this point. I mean, if y'all think that I was unafraid a decade ago when I burned burned that Koran, oh, it's it's just gotten I've gotten way, way, way more bold and less fearful. What whatever. If anybody wants a, a piece of me, you can come and get it. You can come and get it and if if it's god's will that i go down in flames then nothing can prevent it and if it's god's will that i don't go down in flames then nothing can cause it to happen except my own self sabotage i su- i suppose but um No, it's totally worth it. You're damn right. I'm going to be giving out medical advice and you're damn right. I'm going to be telling people about this drug. Um, Just had sent to me, just landed in the email box before we started recording. And I put it on our our little chat group. Good morning. They're they're scared. Good morning, America. I don't know what day it was. It's got to be within the last. It was either this morning or yesterday morning or whatever. Good morning, America. Some, some, uh, Female glamour puss witch doctoress is right there saying no. There's there's rumors circulating on the internet that ivermectin is a treatment for COVID, and that is completely false. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever, and using using drugs off label is incredibly dangerous. And it's just you lying, lying, lying hag just sitting there lying through her teeth. And, you know, the willing thralls, I mean, let's face it, the kind of people who at this point are still watching news programs like Good Morning America, I mean, who, who, who in their right mind would be watching it? It would be consuming any of this garbage media at this point these people have done nothing but lie but i've got i've got this youtube clip of this happening and the thing that's interesting and we'll put this in the show notes too is look at the look at the comments underneath this video 100% of the comments were pro ivermectin saying um you are lying there are there are you know 60 90 published studies over 18,000 participants. This is the safest drug in the world. 3.7 billion doses in the third world since the late 1980s. This is the safest drug in the world. She's lying, you know, and
0: well, India is a case study about this. I think you mentioned the state of Goa in India. They basically have, I wouldn't say no instances of COVID-19 versus some of the other states where they have banned ivermectin. And those states have real problems right now the escalating cases. Well, yeah, you you withhold the one thing that or one of the things that will definitely help knock this down and treat it. Mm-hmm. What do you expect?
1: And prevent it. Yeah, it's a prophylactic. I mean the the case numbers, it's there was Goa was the first one, and then there was another um, like huge province in in India that jumped on the bandwagon as well. I guess it was I think it was New Delhi. It must have been New Delhi. And oh, I know the post I put up, it was New Delhi and Mexico City. You know, those two low population rural backwaters that they are. They started giving out ivermectin and their case numbers just plummeted. And it wasn't it wasn't the seasonal. It wasn't the normal um, you know, onset of summer seasonal it the the drop off was so sharp and so severe the seasonal tapering off that usually happens is it's it's significant but it's far more gradual these things were just the numbers just fell off a cliff as soon as they started giving the stuff out um and so yeah there they, these people in the media we've talked about this with nurse Claire and, and everything. They, they are liars. They are lying and they are, they are the rah, rah cheerleaders for the death jab. Because as nurse Claire so brilliantly pointed out, because the death jab is not FDA approved, they're not allowed to advertise it. You know, like you see advertisements for Viagra and on and on and on and on. Well, the Um, the companies
0: themselves like Pfizer, Moderna, and whoever else is J&J and whoever else is, is making these uh, allegedly COVID vaccines, they cannot advertise it. But states on the freeway overpass, yeah. they can advertise it.
1: Mm-hmm. And the news media, what do you think this all is? This is just, this is a large money laundering operation wherein the news media is doing the advertising for them. Um and oh, we, so. we have
0: mentioned the podcast No Agenda probably, I don't know, 20, 30 times in the last mm-hmm. um, year or so. <laughs> yeah. One of the things they're very good about is breaking down, because both of the hosts of No Agenda are media people. Uh, one was an MTV VJ and then Top 40 Radio Station. Uh, he, was, he started a company that was all, all about really selling ads. The other guy has been a print journalist and involved in the industry for a long time. They understand how the sausage is made.
1: Mm-hmm. And when
0: it comes to uh, selling something to the media, you can either buy an ad outright that the, 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 commercials that show between news segments, or you can do what's called product placement
1: right. where
0: you can get the either. I mean, Norman Lear foundation has taken this one, a uh, high art, where, where, granted, they do cultural programming, but still the, the advertisement can be built into the program itself, whether it's a news program. If you've ever watched your local news and they, they suspiciously mention uh, the Sears Roebuck uh, catalog for some reason, I just picked that one because it's antiquated. Nobody gets that anymore. But if if that name comes up four or five times or just pick any names, if it's, you know, Walmart or Menard- if it, it, around the Christmas season, that was that was one of the one of the they point out every single year that always shows up. And of course we're out of cycle for this right now, but they they point out that every year going into the Christmas season, there will always be in your local media at least one or two stories of some secret Santa paying off the layaway of purchases at some Walmart somewhere. This mm-hmm. is a paid ad from somebody at Walmart. Somebody in, in the C-suite figured out a long time ago, oh, how much does yeah. it cost for us to run a nationwide ad campaign or, or even even just an ad campaign in a big city like New York or Chicago or, or Dallas or something like that versus what if we could uh, buy off one of these prostitutes, I mean journalists, and, and say, hey, I'm going to feed you a news story. There's a good Samaritan who's going to go in and pay off all of the layaway purchases for Christmas At one of these low-income WalMarts. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an advertisement for Walmart, because you didn't hear. So
1: you're saying Bentonville is the one who's paying off the quote-unquote, or they're just they're just crossing off the, they're just crossing the debt off of the ledger themselves, and then saying. I mean, it
0: it could it could be a regional marketing manager, um, who who his whole point is he needs he needs to have the Walmart name or she have or whatever pronoun they prefer. Uh, They need to to have the Walmart name showing up a certain number of times in news stories and having Mm -hmm. a certain profile. So yeah, they've got a discretionary budget to either go run ads or they can say, Oh, I've got, I've got three quarters of a million dollars to run ads or just do anything to get the Walmart name up. How Mm -hmm. about I go out and just start paying off um, the layaway purchases? The
1: layaways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tricky, tricky. Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, the secondary question I have is, who's doing layaway these days? Right. <laughs> Isn't everybody putting it on plastic?
1: That's what I assume, but I don't. I don't know. I, I've not been in a big box store in years and years and years and years. I wouldn't even know if they're still doing anything like that.
0: IKEA makes some good stuff. I go to their stores every once in a while. Anyway, I took you off track from ivermectin and or from from the the vaccines and the vaccine companies are not allowed themselves to do the advertisement, which is why they're relying on all the usual people they pay for for their things.
1: Yep, absolutely. So so wildly corrupt, and also, by the way, the largest crime against humanity ever perpetrated by a long shot, Um, if. If this if this doesn't end in in executions, then I really don't see how we can expect post-Christian Western civilization to continue. I mean, this is there needs to be Nuremberg 2.0. Um, we talked about this the last time. Um, I, I don't believe that anything like that is happening right now. There's um, you know, kind of like weird quasi QAnon type people saying, oh yeah, the, the arrests are forthcoming and you're going to see Fauci in an orange jumpsuit and and chains here within, within 10 days. And of course, I mean, how many times, how many times do these people have to be just completely wrong with all this, but people just keep going back for more and going back for more? I mean, the QAnon thing, that drug on for over four years. It's still dragging um, on. It's still dragging on. What's the new date now? August 15th or something like that.
0: I didn't know it was the 15th, but it was something in August where apparently the all these vote recounts that are being investigated in places like Georgia and Arizona and now Nevada are going to finally come to the conclusion. Oh, Trump really did win. So we're going to reinstate Trump in August. And uh, I guess, uh, well, Joe doesn't know what's going on either way, but Kamala will step down and and and. I don't know who the vice president will be at this point if, if Trump comes back because I, I thought Pence washed his hands of all that.
1: I don't. I don't see how Trump could come back. I mean, I don't. It just none of it makes any damn sense, and it's just like the um, it's the new end of the world. It's the new rapture scam, you know. I think Instead it's just
0: divide and conquer. It's just keep, also that. Yeah, just keep running that program over and over and over, and yep. all you do is aim it at the people who are nominally not decided yet, and get it more and more polarized and radical and just make people make a decision. That's the only thing that's now a sin is to not condemn one side or the other to -hmm. get you radicalized one way or the other so that when we do, you know, pull the fuse on something else, everyone will literally start shooting at each other because we can't agree.
1: Yeah. And there's no, there's no proportionate sense, sense of anything. Um, But I, I do have to say, I have to eat some crow that I thought that, um, I thought a lot of people were going to lose it when Trump turned out to be, you know, the kayfabe that I think it's pretty obvious that he was. But I'm really impressed. I'm, you know, just in my completely non-scientific perusal of com boxes and and just talking to people. And um, one of one of the the best examples of this is Vanessa. You all remember from the you can't suppress a Vanessa. Podcast that she worked for the Trump campaign. She worked on recount stuff, and she's the first one to say now, now that it was just it was all shady. And I think what's what's really pissing a lot of people off right now is that he was and still is pushing this damn death injection crap. He's he's still on that bandwagon, and uh, people are just looking at that and saying, "All right, this this is." This is ridiculous, and people are are facing the fact and coming to grips with the fact that you know they got rolled. They got rolled by him, and whether or not he got rolled by Jared Kushner or or whoever, I um, I don't know, and and we may never know exactly what the dynamics are until the general judgment. Um, but you know he he, he said something or tweeted something. Or whatever he's doing now. He's um, blogging he shut, now. Well, he shut down the blog because it was getting like no traffic, and it was embarrassing. Um, isn't it interesting that he he his his paradigm worked on Twitter, but it didn't work in in any sort of a long format at all? Because he's he's not that bright, and so he he tweets out this thing and says, and he's talking about. Um, you know it's horrible what you know facebook has deplatformed nigeria um they shouldn't be interfering and then he he ends it by saying you know maybe i should have maybe i should have shut oh no what is it nigeria shut down facebook and twitter because they were censoring in with re, with regards to the nigerian presidential election or something and trump said Um, maybe I should have done the same thing. Looking back in retrospect, his last sentence of this is, but I didn't because Mark Zuckerberg kept coming to the White House and having dinner with me and telling me how fantastic I was. And you're just like, you've got to be kidding me. You're, You're openly admitting that as long as somebody kisses your ring, shall we say as as long as someone kisses your ring and genuflects to you then they they can do whatever they want you'll let them get away with murder as long as long as they flatter you oh man human respect um susceptible to flattery these are these are incredibly poor character traits and um i think a lot of people are just rolling their eyes and saying all right i guess that's it all they had to do was was kiss the ring to his face and then he just let them get away with anything and he was sitting he was sitting in some upstairs office somewhere watching um watching cable news all day and tweeting you know it's 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 getting harder and harder and harder to make the argument that he was some ma- master tactician and master politician who was just wor- working and gaming the system right and left i i think he was just an I think he's just an imbecile and a narcissist and not very bright and completely wrapped up in human respect and, and susceptibility to flattery. I mean, man, you, you gotta be pretty weak in the character department if you're susceptible to flattery goodness.
0: But isn't that most of our presidents in our lifetime?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't even at this point, what do you even say about Reagan? What do you even say about Eisenhower? I mean, was there, were there any redeeming qualities there? Was there anything good? Uh, I don't know. Were, were they all psychopaths too? I don't think Reagan was uh, like cheating on his wife, but I think Wait, all which the which one? Nancy, uh-huh.
0: Nancy wasn't his first wife.
1: This is true. Yes. He was married to Jane Wyman first. Yep. That's right. That's right. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's really dispiriting and watch watching the whole thing just kind of implode on itself. And, you know, now we're in the situation that we're in now. And um, you've got, I don't know how many million people. It's got to be, it's over 100 million people who have taken this damn injection. And what is going to happen? I mean, is it, are they all going to get um, are they all going to go into heart failure from from this inflammation that this stuff is causing? Um, what's going to happen this September, October when the next cold and flu season starts? Are there going to be legit mountains of dead bodies now that all these people have taken this, this injection, which is going to... <laughs> Every, every indication is this thing is going to cause a hyperimmune response when people are confronted with the next season of uh, cold and flu viruses.
0: But will it be directly traceable to that or could it be equated to something else or... Oh, Actually, you know what? I I realized in asking that question out loud that it was a dumb question because oh, yeah. <laughs> even if medically it could be traced back to the vaccine, it won't be recorded as such. And I just saw something recently about uh, they, they've changed the, and I forget who they is in this case, CDC or whoever, has has changed the, the counting rules for cases that it, they, they don't count somebody as COVID-19 positive anymore unless they're admitted to the uh intensive care or die.
1: Wow. Hmm.
0: Um, you know, just an approximate, you might a a, a passive. I think that person might be code positive. The year ago was enough to call it a case. Now they're saying, yeah. no, you can't call it a case unless you've got proof and triplicate three times over.
1: Isn't that something? Isn't that interesting? And also nurse Claire and everyone else in, in, Medicine, who's honest and speaking out, is saying, Look, the vast majority of people who are in the hospital right now, allegedly with COVID, are quote unquote fully vaccinated. So, yeah, it's what is this death injection? And that is going to be what's fascinating. And that is going to be what history is going to have to bear out. We're we're living in it right now. Let's like we're in World War II right now. This is 1942, 1943 right now. We're only going to be able to um, figure out exactly what this thing is and what happened. Um it seems very very clear to me that this was a joint operation between Anthony Fauci and the US government and this this lab in Wuhan. It was they just laundered money. To fund this um, gain-of-function viral research is, is, but then again, you know the damn thing is is has a, a case fatality rate that is identical to common seasonal colds, ninety-nine point nine seven percent survival rate. So um, again, I, I, I have to be—I'm my position on the whole thing is that. It, it was obviously premeditated. We've got Event 201. We've got the 2017 Johns Hopkins document. We have the um, 2010 document, which is, I think, from the Rockefeller Foundation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this, this was all meticulously planned.
0: Oh, and not only that, but Fauci in 2012 or 2013 saying that even if we had a global pandemic as the result of uh, gain of function research, it would be worth it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Fantastic. Um, But I mean, clearly there was no pandemic. It was just it was just a cold and flu season. The objective in all of this is obviously the 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 injections, these fake non-vaccine vaccines and the whole economic totalitarian great reset. Um, and it's going to go eventually, we've talked about this, it's going to go to the elimination of the fungibility of money. Um, my money will not have any buying power, so to speak, as compared to the money sitting in the account of someone who is fully compliant with the the COVIDic religion. Um, and so that's their objective. Po- human population reduction through forced injections um and totalitarianism the in the institution of a global one world totalitarian political religion it's the anti-church it's the final iteration of international freemasonry i mean we're living it this is it um and so far really not seeing much significant resistance i think i think if if the talking heads on the television went on the television tomorrow and said, all right, that's it. There's a new, there's a new variant. And what's the, the, what's the late, the latest one I saw, they're calling it like Delta or something. There's a new variant. So everybody has to go back into lockdown right now. I think everybody would do it. I mean, it's, uh, except
0: that I think they've, they've already pre-announced the variant uh, word too many times there's Delta, there's a Brazil, there's an Indian, there's a Belgian. Mm. I, I, there are so many variants now that people are beginning to realize. Which one is it? And why yeah. are you all claiming the same thing? And if, and if you can't keep your story straight, why should we believe you?
1: Mm, well, we'll see. We'll see if uh, it's going to happen. They'll try to do it again this fall. And we'll see what the response is. We'll see if people go along with it. Sadly, at this point, I think that most people will. Um, you you watch it's interesting you watch the statistics come out every day and you know fresh uh, case counts and all this kind of stuff and there are people obviously leftists who are just all in all in on the covidic religion and they sit around and like on twitter and they're waiting every day for the new statistics to come out and they are enraged and angry that the case numbers are going down, that the death toll is going down. Um, you know, all of this reopening, you know, they're sc- jumping up and down screaming that there's going to be dead dead bodies in the streets because you're reopening and people are going out and people are eating in restaurants. And these people are, are enraged that the entire planet is not under house arrest. Oh, these and are the same they-
0: people who were actively hoping... There, they were being mass dying in Texas yeah. and Florida because they opened up. Well, in South Dakota yep. too. I don't think they ever locked down in South Dakota.
1: Right. Um,
0: that they, they are enraged that these yep. three states, these governors, these uppity. Who do you think you are? Well, state mm-hmm. rights. You know, look at the Tenth Amendment. Um, who do you think you are to be saying to be flaunting the 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 knowledge of the enlightened, um, bedoctored ruling class mm-hmm. and. They're they're ruining the the show for all the New World Order people who want to push the agenda along because they're showing no we don't have to do all any of this and we're fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. There Although was, I
0: will say when the fall, when the when the cold and flu season comes around this fall, it mm-hmm. will be because of the people who did not get the vaccine.
1: Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent, and that's when, and if if the next cold and flu season. If the death jab is going to cause these hyperimmune responses, and there actually is just horrible, horrible death, um, that's when people like me are going to start being targeted and um, taken out. Some of, I, I, I've always anticipated that with the fall of Western civilization. That it, why do we think if the French Revolution went the way the French Revolution did. And all of these other movements end with people being being publicly executed. Why wouldn't that happen this time? Um, there's one answer to that, and that is Satan has learned his lesson, and he knows that um, the blood of the martyrs is what the church will be rebuilt upon. And so I think maybe Satan doesn't want there to be any martyrs because he knows that martyrdom is is so powerful against him. At least not
0: martyrdom for the faith. Right. I think there there definitely will be martyrdom and persecutions, but not directly based on the faith. It could be based on, you know, preaching Ivermectin and that Mm -hmm. COVID nineteen is just a chest cold.
1: And refusing to wear a mask as I'm I'm still still have never put one of those damn things on. Um so well, because the
0: the people who who were always about wearing a mask and being uh, a social justice warrior and uh, being politically correct and the people who shed tears of joy and posted it as such on on all the social media when they got their first jab and then their second yeah. and who tattooed it. It reminds me and like, OK, I. I it's, it's a running joke, so everyone who's got the drinking game, take a shot. Uh, it reminds me of a Star Wars reference. If you've seen any of the Star Wars, you know that the clones all turn on the Jedi. And mm-hmm. what's what's mentioned there in canon is that they had an inhibitor chip placed in their brain so that when the Order 66 came through, they the pre-programmed programming kicks in and their loyalty now switches from the Republic to the Emperor and mm-hmm. they kill all the Jedi. Well, there were a couple of uh, clones who had defective inhibitor chips and resisted this. And they were the most hated. So everyone who says, no, this programming that they're trying to feed us is crap. We, when There's nothing to fear from COVID-19. And that's, that's before we even get to ivermectin and vitamin C, vitamin D, be healthy, oh. boost your immune system. Hey, hydroxychloroquine is not poisonous. It's not used in fish tanks. All of this stuff I mentioned earlier, the whole idea of divide and conquer it's, it's the, the persecution and the bloodletting it's going to happen, but it's not going to be explicitly because of religion. And that's one of the things I fear the most is when they come for me, it's because I've annoyed somebody and they, they yeah. think they're just eliminating a jerk as opposed to eliminating a Catholic. And yeah. I admit, I stick my foot in my mouth enough and I've, I've got enough of an ego in that respect that I, step on toes. And, um, I run the risk of, of them not coming for me because I'm a Catholic and I need to do better about that.
1: That that's a really good point to remind the listenership of martyrdom is being killed for the faith period. That is what martyrdom is. Anyone who gets shot. I mean, that's, it's, it's a very trendy word, you know George Floyd is a is a martyr saint. Um, any anyone who gets killed, anyone who dies, people are throwing this word around martyr, martyr, martyr. Doesn't matter if you're the if you're the holiest person in the world. If you get, for example, if you get killed in a carjacking, that's that's not martyrdom because you you didn't die for the faith. You you were just the victim of a criminal act.
0: Unless um, of course the criminals noticed you were wearing a Roman collar and targeted you specifically because of that and tried to make it look like a carjacking gone wrong, but you were killed because you look like a priest.
1: Mm -hmm. That's the exception. That's the exception. But you see, it's, it's a very precise thing. And it's one of those words that's just been ruined by overuse. You know, anyone who dies is a martyr. Um, anyone who dies of some horrible disease, um, they're, they're a martyr to Parkinson's. They're a martyr to this. They're a martyr to that. Uh, no, no, no. Words have meaning and we need to use them properly. So, yeah. Well, That's I don't know. Point. Math is
0: racist. So perhaps, uh, suggesting that words have meaning is racist also.
1: Uh, I think it probably is. I think you're right. Um, and I guess I'm a racist then.
0: Uh. That means we need to switch topics. Um, <laughs> let's see. You had something about RuPaul and advice on wearing a suit.
1: Yeah, this was this just popped up um, on. I was looking at something on YouTube. Do
0: we need to explain then, who RuPaul is?
1: Yeah. So RuPaul is the is the drag queen guy. He's the black he's the most famous drag queen he's been around forever and ever i was gonna
0: say since the 80s back back when there were only two genders
1: yes absolutely in fact ah that's a that's a trivia for you the first time i ever saw rupaul which you you realize in retrospect is if you remember i think it's i'm gonna say 1990. Um, the B-52s had their hit song, Love Shack, very, very popular song. And if you watch the music video of Love Sh- Love Shack by the B-52s, one of the people who's dancing in the proverbial Love Shack is RuPaul. And at the time when I first saw it, I, I had no idea it was a dude. It just looked like a big, tall black woman, you know, dancing. Um, and then you realize, oh, man, that, that was RuPaul. Okay, all right. So he's been around for a long time. And he's he is very insidious. And I'll tell you why. It's because he is incredibly intelligent. Very, very intelligent. And here's another word that has been destroyed. Articulate. I mean, you're apparently not allowed to say that any black person is articulate, even if they are Articulate. I'm not making any comment about about what color his skin is, but the guy has a very high IQ. He's very intelligent. He's extremely well-spoken and extremely articulate. And he says things that are, um, he says some things that are true, like this anecdote that I'm about to tell. And what's so dangerous about that is that, you know, you sit and you listen to him and he's talking and he's saying these things and you say, well, yeah, that is true people who are, who are, I don't know, morally weak would then say, well, I like him. And so that must mean that it's okay to be a drag queen because he's smart and he said something that was true. So therefore his entire life of transvestitism, um, that, that must be okay. And see, that's where you that's where you go off the cliff it's it's scandal it's base it's a species of scandal
0: it's kind of like Bruce Jenner being so openly opposed to gay people and transgender people adopting children
1: yeah yeah
0: yes it's and a it rational thing to say but that doesn't mean that Bruce Jenner and his life decisions are something to emulate or even uh, give approbation to
1: yeah and the other thing with Bruce Jenner is that he's fiscally conservative. And so if you sit and he and Bruce Jenner is talking about, you know, fiscal policy in California and and spending and taxes and so on and so forth, he would say things that are true. And then the risk is that people, again, people who are morally just weak and, and wishy-washy would look at him sitting there painted up with his fake boobs and all that and say, well, you know, he's saying things that are right. So then it must be OK to be a drag queen scandal. That's why you do not tolerate these things. And you have to get them, you have to nip them in the bud. And they are a species of obscenity. It's a species of public obscenity for a man to be running around in drag. And so it should be, it should be a criminal offense as it was up until just a few decades ago. It was a criminal offense to engage in any sort of public obscenity like that. And there's a reason for that.
0: Oh, the, it's like morally speaking, if a priest is not wearing his cassock for no good reason, or, or a nun is not wearing her cassock, or a married person is not wearing their ring, it's, it's immodesty, strictly speaking, and it could be subject to scandal.
1: hmm Yep. Inciting other people to commit sins or losing faith. It's you could also argue it's the losing faith thing because if if you're if you're to the point where you're saying, "Oh, men running around in drag." That that's that's okay. That's okay. Okay, you're clearly on the road to apostasy if you're not already there. So, um but back to RuPaul. So, this this video of him pops up on a YouTube thing that I'm watching. It's an advertisement. And apparently they've got him Teaching a quote unquote masterclass on like self-esteem or something like that, and um, RuPaul's thing is is that he only uh, is in drag when he's being paid to be in drag. If he's not specifically being paid to be in drag, then he he dresses he dresses in male clothes. Now they're extremely flamboyant and extremely gay but he's wearing male clothes and no makeup or anything like that. So here, here's RuPaul wearing a bright red suit and he's sitting there and he's it's this advertisement for this master, master class that he's giving on self-esteem. And he said something that is very, very true. And what he said was, if you want to change the course of your life, if you want to be a success, and he's speaking to men, the first thing you need to do is you need to start wearing a suit you need to get your act together and you need to start wearing a suit and you, you stop and think about that and you say he's exactly right what he's saying is 100% true think about a young man today about a young 19 year old guy let's say he's an undergrad and he just says that's it i'm I, or let's pretend that you know COVID doesn't exist and, and college campuses are functioning normally. Think about a 19-year-old guy who just turned the clock back 50, 60 years and started wearing not even necessarily a suit, but a sport coat and a tie to class on campus, which is what people used to do 50 years ago. You, you wore a coat and tie. Um, if a, if a man started wearing a suit every day, think of how radically that would alter the course of somebody's life just in that act of wearing not formal wear, but not running around wearing pajamas all the time. Think about what a transformative um, a transformative thing that would be, a transformative choice that would be and rupaul was absolutely right in this now rupaul is is evil and um he's he's a tempter and he is there's just nothing nothing good about anything <laughs> there's nothing good about him and his persona and in a in a sane moral society he would be arrested and imprisoned for public indecency and public obscenity Um, but I thought it was interesting and what, what an interesting statement it is that here we are and things have fallen so far, so far that you've got this drag queen guy who's trying, who's giving actually sound, uh, advice to young people in terms of here's something you can do that will literally change the course of your life for the better And, um, it's just, it's just, we're in bizarro world now, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy, but be on the lookout for that. If you're ever on YouTube, you know how those ads pop constantly with these ads. YouTube is just, it's almost unusable now. It seems like there's an ad every 90 seconds now on YouTube. It's just ridiculous. I haven't seen an
0: ad on YouTube in years.
1: How? how, How is that possible?
0: I use plugins like uBlock Origin, and I use Brave, which has also plugins like uBlock Origin. It sounds like something I should put in the show notes.
1: Uh, yeah, because I had no idea about that. I'm, it's 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 gotten markedly worse within just the last, I would say, the last month, six weeks, maybe two months. I don't know, but you just can't hardly watch anything without just constantly, constantly ad comes up sometimes it won't let you skip sometimes it will let you skip after 5 or 10 seconds or whatever it's it's maddening and i suppose the the solution to that is don't use youtube but may, and maybe you have some insight into this why is it that youtube is the only um embeddable video platform that actually works i can never get any of the rest of them to work like bit, shoot or the uh, Vimeo or whatever those are called. I mean, they, they never work for me.
0: I haven't really looked into it much. I've never been a video person. I've been more into photography, Mm -hmm. but I, I, you know, the, the reflex answer is because Google is behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And Google is a gigantic company that is essentially a printing press for making money and they can hire the, the smartest people available and pay them just outrageous amounts of money and say, make this work. Yeah. It, it's it's impressive from a technical aspect what they're able to achieve, and they give a lot of it away. I mean, that the one of the technologies they use for making all of their data centers run is something called Kubernetes, which I think maybe two people listening to this understood what that meant. But it, it's, it's something that you'd think a company of that scale, when they come up with something that is so critical to making their company work, they would keep that private. No, they give it away. And Microsoft makes great use of it. Amazon makes great use of it. And a lot of other companies. Does it hurt Google that other companies are using it? No, it actually helps them. Because other people now are looking at the Kubernetes source code and suggesting features and code. And it just makes them all the stronger. And it, it, when it comes to YouTube, though, that's a little bit different. Well, it's very different. Um, it's an it's a organization for making money. But why is it so easy to embed? Maybe it's because not everybody has ad blockers on their computers. So that when you embed a YouTube video, for example, on your blog, if Mm -hmm. the person who's looking at this on their phone or iPad or computer, if they don't have the blocking software on their device to block out the ads, that means YouTube has has a chance to show at least part of an advertisement and therefore charge the advertiser the full fee for showing an ad.
1: Oh, really? Oh, YouTube couldn't
0: <laughs> care less whether or not I really look at the, the ad or not. In fact, my ad blockers probably still count as an ad impression to wow. the advertisers. I don't know. And and the reason I say that is because the ad blockers, when you put something like uBlock origin into your browser, the ad got down to your browser, but it got blocked once it got there as far as YouTube can tell, Hey, I served the ad to this person. Here's the proof.
1: Oh, wow, man. Yeah, definitely put all that in the show notes. Cause I have n- no idea about any of that ad blocking stuff. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to commit.
0: I shall give you a masterclass on it. All right, cool. <laughs> to use the term in a better sense. And, yeah. You know, okay. So I've we've been talking about uh, the last two or three shows, the whole uh, the 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 topic of podcasting 2.0, and I still don't know if, if there's any way to succinctly uh, describe this because um, a revelation I had trying to describe this to a friend of mine who's a a colleague who's a programmer trying to describe this. It's not one thing. It's a whole collection of things. Uh, you may have heard it's me say before. Style. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, so podcasting was, you know, the, the initial invention happened in about 2000. It really kicked in in about 2004. The first podcast was The Daily Source Code, which is hosted by Adam Curry, who he was just creating content for all the people who were writing podcast catchers to test. And they learned a lot of things uh, as a result of this because he was pumping out a show every single day. And so they've learned things like, oh, when your podcast uh, subscribes to a feed, you probably shouldn't try to download all 50 or a hundred shows all at once. Maybe we need to do these one at a time or only do like the first one and then give the option to download the rest. Um, What happens when you put an apostrophe in the show title or an ampersand or some of these other weird characters, they learned a lot and podcasting really stagnated from its invention back in 2003, 2004 up until a couple of years ago. Well, one of the things that Adam Curry did in the, in, in the meantime was he created a company called Mevio, which was the whole point was to sell advertising around podcasting and what they figured out real quick. And it didn't just deal with podcast. They also branched into video and all the rest is they came to the conclusion is that you cannot tell who actually downloads and watches advertisement. you just can't tell? You, you can you can show download metrics you can show hit counts you can show all kinds of things and we, we've mentioned that uh, like some of the nurse Claire podcasts they, they show 10,000 downloads yeah that that means that that there there's a lot more people pulling down the podcast but there's no way of knowing for sure whether or not they really listen to it
1: and, sure, sure. And yeah.
0: so one of the things and he's a big fan of of somewhere along the line he, he read the Ayn Rand books and he was really taken by the, the 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 notion of value for value and he's really pioneered this idea of value for value. So he's like, I don't care how many people listen to this. I don't care if you copy the the podcast and rebroadcast it on your own feed. So I have no idea how many people are listening to it. If you like what you're hearing. You find value in it, then return some value. And here's the address to go do it. And honestly, if this sounds familiar from the end of the podcast, I stole this from Adam Curry, which mm-hmm. he stole it from Ann Rand and who probably stole it from just common sense. Who cares about all the numbers and all the rest? When it comes to advertising, one of the lines I've heard is uh, in terms of you know, advertising executives, they say that 50% of our advertising money isn't doing anything for us. We just don't know which 50% it is. Right. Okay. Advertising is a big smoke and mirrors game.
1: Mm-hmm. And yes. so
0: anybody who is trying to pitch something, whether it's a podcast company like um, <clears throat> Spotify, uh, to to monetize things based on, hey, we're going to uh, create awesome content and then monetize it based on ads. Well, people don't necessarily listen to ads. There's, there's other ways of, of doing this. The, the idea of, of delivering value back based on what you find valuable, yes, of course, it's on the honor system. And I think they the No Agenda uh, crew, they, they, they figure maybe 1% of all their listeners ever contribute back. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is for – I haven't done the math for Barnhart Podcast. Um, of course, I'm only one part of it. Um, I, I just do the infrastructure and – backups and all this stuff a lot of people donate to you that i've probably never heard of and that's mm-hmm. fine that you're you're the 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 marquee person on the podcast they should be donating to you but um shoot there was a point that i was getting at here that i went off on a different well, direction what is, what is oh podcasting? ad blocking
1: oh ad blocking okay. go ahead go ahead no i mean it's it's about it's something to do with p- pay to listen it, it, from what i've just seen the very glancing exchanges we've had about this it's it's their thought processes it's going to be some sort of a pay-to-play thing right
0: there is a series of initiatives that all fall under the podcasting 2.0 2.0 umbrella and, and one of them is what you're mentioning here is what's called streaming uh, payment and mm-hmm. there are uh, the one thing and, and, and actually we did record i i said something about podcasting 2.0 on one of our previous recordings and I cut it out because I was rambling and didn't make any sense when I listened to it back. And the only thing I would sum this up to is if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, the app Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or iPad, don't. Uh go email me. Email superneuromedia.com. I'll give you a list of recommended apps you should be using. Um I personally use Overcast, but I'm also looking at Podverse. I'm looking at Hypercatcher. I'm definitely going to switch to graphene os before too much longer which is one of the reasons I'm looking at Podverse. there are reasons to get off of uh the the biggest uh specifically the apple podcast app they've they've broken that apple has in the last several months but um
1: i always worked on the assumption that most people are listening to it through my website you know it's there in a post you hit the play button i i, I just always assume that's how most people listen to it is that not the case.
0: I have no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. To get back to the earlier point about advertising, um, the the web host or the 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 podcast hosting provider we're using does not make any differentiation between somebody listening in a uh, on your through the listing agent on your on your website versus mm-hmm. downloading it, listening to it on their computer or their phone or their iPad or whatever. Mm-hmm. In part because they can't tell. Hmm. They they actually, I take that back. They probably can tell, but they're not surfacing that information. Maybe they hmm. want me to pay more for the higher level tier for better stats. In which case, I can tell them go pound sand. It's not that important to me.
1: No, I I can tell I can tell. What's care. that? <laughs> what's that? That's the point that you were just making. About you know Adam Curry said that he's like I I really don't care. Not worried about it. Um it's, it is what it is. And, and a very, very, very small percentage of the people who come and it's the same thing with a blog. It's the same thing. I mean, if 1%, that's, that would be huge if 1% had a, had a recurring donation or something like that set up. I mean, that's, that's those are the kind of numbers that you're that you're going for really i think
0: well so the streaming payment you thing you mentioned earlier there one of the initiatives under podcasting 2.0 is with some of these other newer podcast apps uh you can set up a a system where you you create a cryptocurrency wallet or it's actually a channel I, honestly i don't fully understand this which is why i'm not pushing this but there it i i do know that there are are a few podcasts that I listen to and I'm, I'm following very closely because I would like to mimic this if I could understand it and then translate it in a way that makes sense to people other than me. But using a podcast app that has a cryptocurrency wallet in a streaming uh, pay, uh, payments, it's in the levels of Satoshi's, which a Satoshi is one ten millionth of a Bitcoin, or maybe it's a hundred millionth. I forget what it is. It's like 0.002 pennies. So if you're sending a hundred Satoshi's a minute, it it's basically nothing. Well, maybe two or three cents a minute. It, it's small. And and what, it, what I have heard from the people who have implemented this and are seeing sats flowing in, the phrase that is more prevalent is, hey, we're making a lot. It's not, hey, we're making a lot of money. It's you can't spell stats without sats. In other words, you can see when people are watching. You can see when people drop off because the, 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 the sat payment correlates to a certain time code in a podcast. So for example, if we had this rolling right now, we probably probably see the stat payments drop significantly while I'm doing all this geeky stuff. And they pick up later when Ann starts talking about something way more interesting. um, <laughs> It, it, it And there's also the feature called boost. So if you find hear something really interesting, like Ann talking about, yeah, it's great when Ro- RuPaul says something good about wearing a suit, but it's still a bad source. Hey, that's a great point. I'm going to boost that. And it's like, I don't know, 500 sats or something like that, which is like 20 cents or something like that.
1: Now, it, wait, how, how would you do that? I mean, this sounds like a Frank Luntz. Um, focus group thing where people are sitting there with a dial that they turn it up and turn it back, and
0: and these are features of the applications in question. And and I've used these these applications again: Podverse, and Hypercatcher, and um, Sphinx Chat, and and Strike, and uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And I will put a link for those who are really technically intrepid and would like to go check these out. Uh, it's called NewPodcastApps.com, and check them out. Um, the one, the only thing I'm going to recommend, and the only thing I hope for anyone to take away from this, if they didn't catch or understand any of this, is if you're listening to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone, or the Google Podcast app on your Android phone, or God forbid, the Spotify app. Actually, I don't even know if we're on Spotify. I hope I don't we're
1: not. think we are. No. Uh-uh.
0: I I think I blocked it, but I don't know. Um, if you're listening on any of those major platforms like that, please switch. And by the by, by all means, email me email supernova.com. What? What's
1: so bad about them?
0: They suck. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> the, the and 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 Apple broke their app recently. The Apple Podcast app, it used to be that every single instance on an iPhone or iPad or whatever you're running it on would individually on that device go check the podcast feed to see if there's new episodes. So when I would publish a new Episode of Barnhart Podcast. My wife, who uses the Apple Podcast app, would see it on her phone before I do, because I use Overcast. And Overcast doesn't directly pull against the podcast source. Overcast has a server process that goes and checks the podcasts on a on a schedule itself. And because it thinks, hey, the podcast uh, Barnhart Podcast schedules, or it 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 publishes every week, maybe two weeks, sometimes three. I'm going to set this polling interval. So it may be two hours between when I publish and when it shows up on my phone. One of the other initiatives of podcasting 2.0 is how do we solve that problem? They, they built something called the podcast index. So they're tracking three and a half million podcasts right now. That's a lot. And they built this gigantic farm of, of polling robots, basically, or it, it's programs, but, um, hundreds of these little, um, uh, computer images checking and just all they do all day long is is go down a list of podcasts and say, is there a new episode? Is there a new episode? Is Mm -hmm. there a new episode? And it wastes tons of resources. And this is just one service doing this uh, podcast index, which Mm -hmm. is part of the podcasting 2.0 initiative. Um, Overcast does this. Apple just switched now so that they are now pulling all the different podcasts out there there are dozens and dozens and dozens of these services that are all they do is send traffic across the internet. Hey, do you have an update? Hey, do you have an update? What if we could get rid of all that? And one of the, one of the, uh, uh things that came up with podcasting 2.0 is something called PodPing, And what this means is if we implemented this on, on, um, barnheart.biz, I would have to manually do it. And I'm, I plan on doing it in the next yeah, probably a couple months. Um, our podcast hosting provider is probably not going to do it anytime soon it's just not in their interest but what it means is when i publish i would send a ping to the to the podcast index service and they would publish this onto a blockchain as uh, the hive blockchain or whatever and this is honestly the coolest thing and the best uh, this is, this is probably the first time I've come across any kind of blockchain technology explanation that made sense. And I said, yes, this is something I, that it doesn't just make sense. I want to do this. And the practical result is between me publishing a podcast and publishing to the, the blockchain service, it would take no more than 40 seconds for every watcher on the internet to see, Hey, a new episode just published. They don't have to consistently keep asking, um, Ann's website, Hey, do you have a new episode? Hey, do you have a new episode? They just sit back and wait and they watch this blockchain and they see the message come across. Oh, Ann's website has a new episode or Ann's podcast has a new episode. I'll go download it now.
1: Okay. I mean, but do you really think that it's that urgent for most people?
0: No, which is why, (laughs) which is why I I cut it the last time we talked about it. (laughs) It, it's, okay. it's 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 one it's one of these very geeky things and one of the reasons I'm bringing it up now is because is it kind of dovetails into the aggressive backup scheduling that, that I set up on your website right now is oh yeah uh, it used to be um well, four months ago, it was every time I thought about it, which is usually once a week, I'd go run a script to back up your website, including all the files and the database and pull it down to a local machine and then post it to a secret backup location somewhere on the internet. So if if my machine or if my house was hit by a tornado and everything was destroyed, then I, I just have to go get another computer and pull everything down. Nothing's lost. Right. Uh, I've changed this to every three hours now Yeah, because you're talking about some interesting things. But uh, yeah. that also <laughs> that's that also
1: diplomatically stated, yes, <laughs>
0: yes, and but it, it also means that since I'm checking this nine times, well, twenty four divided by three, eight times a day, I'm checking for updates. It doesn't always there's not always an update. Mm-hmm. So what if I could just simply have a process where I'm watching for your blog to notify me when there is an update? And this is where the 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 hive blockchain idea it it could be anything that's updating, it could be uh podcast is published. It could be that Ian published something new or updated something on on, on the on the podcast. It could be in an election scenario that in a county just announced their next round of, of ballots were counted. Mm-hmm. And the advantage here is that you could have millions upon millions of interested computers or people or processes rather than constantly asking, you know, you'll see you have a large family in a giant van. All the kids are saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there, yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> Every single one of them constantly saying this, as opposed to they sit quietly waiting for me to say, we're there now.
1: Yes. Oh, lovely. So, so another takeaway that I'm getting from this is that um, blockchain technology is not limited to um, you know, currency or anything like that. There's all kinds of other things that it can do.
0: Blockchain has absolutely nothing to do with currency. Blockchain is a distributed ledger. Imagine a logbook that is uh, cryptographically constructed in a way that it can't be forged. Mm -hmm. And it's available publicly for anybody who wants to watch it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, when it comes to, I have these units of currency and I'm transacting them between this wallet address and that wallet address, that's a natural fit. But it does not have to be exchanges of currency. Right. Bitcoin, that's what they do. Uh, if you look at something like Ethereum, it could be contracts. Uh, I want to buy this house, and here are the conditions that have to be met, and the whole transaction cannot be completed until the inspection happens and I get uh, feedback from the title company about a uh, clear title, uh, That the inspector comes back thumbs up, or if I, um, if I say that I have no objections to the inspection report, in other words, I could actually escrow an entire payment onto an Ethereum transaction for buying a house. But if the transactions aren't met by a certain time, the whole thing rolls back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is that's contract based. It's 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 algorithmic money at that point. It, it doesn't have any money, though. It could be a vote. It could be a discussion uh, as as uh, menial as uh, an HOA board saying, mm-hmm. I would vote yes if these conditions are met by this particular time. And everybody votes similarly at this time, and the people have to, have to meet the conditions, can all sign this on the public ledger. And just imagine it like a big paper book in City Hall that everyone could theoretically watch at the same time without stepping on each other's shoes. That's what these, That's what these blockchain ledgers on the Internet do.
1: This is let me play devil's advocate here because, you know, with we're seeing with the so-called ransomware and and shutting down pipelines and shutting down meatpacking plants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I suspect I am not the only person who's listening to you say these things and say, you know what, we need to not increase our dependency upon the Internet and and these digital um paradigms because that's what's actually <laughs> looks like it's going to get us in a hell of a lot of trouble here before too long. I think Klaus Schwab is the one who's keeps going on and on there again because they they tell people what they're going to do that they're going to orchestrate um some sort of a um broad spectrum digital crash this summer sometime. Um and so I don't know, there's, there's something to be said for being able to maintain non-digital functionality and being able to, well, if we're talking about a podcast, I mean, you're, you're obviously locked in. If there's no internet, there's no podcast, And period. Um, no, we're, ba- but, we're back
0: to m- Mimeograph newsletters at that point.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Which is a, a, a separate discussion I've had with you is I, I have thought for a while there should be an email list. And, and people should sign up for in case things go sideways in the, and and your blog is deplatformed.
1: You're not the only person who has told me that. I, I probably not. <laughs> I do not. I don't. And it's funny you should say that because my, uh, my lovely donation company continu- continue to give. I just got an email from the CEO He's a really nice guy. And it's, it's pretty cool when the CEO of the company is your personal, um, he's basically my account representative tech support person. If I have any any issues, questions, anything, and it's very rare because it works like a champion, um, I just get on the phone, like the telephone with him directly, and he solves all my problems. But I just got an email from him that and it said, the, the email said, you know, dump MailChimp. We now, our database can handle all of that for you. And... I was like, well, okay, that's good to know that at least the people who have, uh, who have ever donated or have a re- recurring donation set up with me through Continue to Give, that there is an email database somewhere there, um, but I don't know, I've, I'll, my whole reluctance is my, my objective with regards to me, my online activities, et cetera, et cetera, is I never want to be like forcing anything on anybody. You come to me if you want to read what I am, you know, going off about today on the blog. Then you go to Barnhart.biz and you read it there. I'm not going to be like banging your door down, sending you emails saying, "Look at this, look at this, listen to this, listen to this." You come to me. I want to be as as passive as possible in that whole in that whole commercial. That you know that commerce between me, the content provider, and the audience. I want to be passive in that. You come to me. Um, I and you know I got to be honest. I I get the email newsletters and and people that are that are emailing their blog posts to me, and a lot of them are on and it's it's not i'm i don't do it in offense in an offensive way it's just to manage the inbox i've got a lot of those email accounts set up on auto delete just because there's so much and i don't want to miss an email from an actual human person who's asking me a question instead of just constantly being buried under mountains and mountains of emails from you know hey go read this blog post i just made well you know <sighs> I I would is it linked on Canon 212 um is it do I check your blog anyway i mean it, it's not it's not necessary i don't think and i i particularly i don't like to be ever forcing myself on anyone even when i was a commodity broker i i didn't do that I never sent out newsletters or anything like that. I had a website. And if you wanted to come to the website and I launched my first, I, Barnhart.biz actually launched in October of 2003. So I've been providing content um, on Barnhart.biz and all my you know market commentary and everything. And then later when I had the the marketing schools, that was all, you come to me, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be bothering you. I'm not going to be pestering you. If if you want anything from me, if you want to read what I'm thinking, you know exactly where to find me. And that's kind of been my philosoph- philosophy, but I absolutely agree with your point about it's just a matter of time before I'm deplatformed, and we're going to have to probably change URLs. Well, when that day comes, how do we get the new URL out into the, out into the zeitgeist, you know? So it'll probably be Frank Walker will play a large, a large role in all that. I I, I suspect that right off the bat, but.
0: So your explanation reminds me of a, a conversation I had with somebody probably, let me think 15, 20 years ago, maybe it's been a while now. And the topic was about artificial intelligence. And this was a literal argument and and not always the most amicable of arguments that went mm. back and forth. And I finally realized at one point we were not thinking of the same term. When I said intelligence, I'm thinking of this as a programmer in mean artificial intelligence. I'm thinking of this as a programmer in a complex series of if-else and conditional, you know, computer code figuring out, hey, okay, so this computer vision thing sees something that's roughly spherical. Is it a baseball? No. Is it a football from a certain angle? No. It goes through a series of, of logical test to see whether or not i can figure something out and the a person with whom i was speaking was coming at this from the perspective of intelligence is the ability to love It is is it's inherently abstract and requires a soul i was like oh we weren't speaking the same thing you were not talking about the same right thing. <laughs> and if i understood that's what you meant i would have never disagreed with you at all and i think what you're what you hear when i say email list is the need to then send out email newsletters i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm thinking no it's more like who wants to be notified in case Anne's website gets blasted and not just not just deplatformed but the domain it's taken away so we can't even post the website so several years ago um we were hosted on uh, site5.com and they Took mm-hmm. your site off and said, You got 48 hours to get this off of our servers before we delete it. And yep. we moved it to where it is now. And in that case, we still had to control the domain. Well, maybe in the future, the domain gets pulled as well. Right. All the backups that I'm making every three hours means we could reconstitute the website in its entirety under a completely different uh, name. But how would you then notify somebody? Mm-hmm. What I was saying is have an email list. A mm-hmm. list of people who would want to be notified in the event that barnhart.biz, as we know, it goes away and has to be reconstituted someplace else under a new name. Emergency and I contact,
1: basically. Yeah. I
0: guarantee you that if I ever have to email you using that or on that list, it's going to be from an email address you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. But I hope to make the subject line obvious enough that, um, you know, Super Nerd has an announcement about Anne's new website or the new location mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking in terms of having an email list, not newsletters.
1: Okay, good <laughs> then we we are in agreement on this and yeah, I think this is something that we should we should do going forward to be just just to be responsible adults you know because it's it's basically inevitable. it will happen at some point so let's be ready.
0: indeed okay cool. I'm glad we're uh, in agreement yeah. on that Very e- good. even though it sounded like we're in disagreement. see people we're not fighting.
1: <laughs> definitely not definitely not
0: i think we covered everything and it's i, I was about so. to say it's a short podcast but i guess we're already at an hour 22 it feels yeah. like it's been a 40 minutes
1: <laughs> i think we can wrap her up
0: uh the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback comments, suggestions don't send your email address yet. Um, I'll put together something uh, in the near future and probably Anne will blog it. Mm -hmm. But if you have specific comments about the podcast, the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors and at least Mm -hmm. one mass is said for them every single day. And that's a traditional Catholic uh, Latin mass. And plus every single week, at least uh, one, or every single week there's a traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass said for everyone who died in the previous week. Um you mentioned he's not dead yet, but canon for jelly, one of the yes. uh, Institute of Christ the King priests. He is in serious condition and and um he definitely needs our prayer, our prayers and and um last I heard he's still clinging to life, but uh, things are not looking good.
1: He's on life support and just kind of going sideways is the last that I heard and saw. Um, yeah, it's uh he's on life support. It isn't just that he's on a ventilator, he's on life support. And I, they say what I heard the logic of that is, is that, um, putting him on the heart lung bypass machine would give his lungs a chance to rest and heal themselves. But man, that's, it's, it's never good when a person is on life support like that. It's, it's incredibly dire. And so, yes, please, please pray for Canon for Jelly, who is, who is, very well loved and respected and um some people swear up and down that he has you know his prayers have um, assisted them with fertility and and he he prays little little people into being sometimes so <laughs> um and just obviously we need every good sound traditional priest here on earth <laughs> that uh, that our Lord sees fit, to have here. And so, um, this is, this might be, um, this is an opportunity, you know, as our Lord says, you know, when these things happen, um, it's, it's an opportunity for our Lord to, for lack of a better word, flex. And, you know, look guys, if you, if you pray for a miracle, we, we can make that happen. And then look at all of the the good that will come out of that. That's what he said about Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus. You know, they come and say, Mary and Martha are distraught and if you had been here this wouldn't have happened he wouldn't have died and he said no 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 this is this is all for the greater good just just hold on and of course it was and so um let let's hope and pray earnestly that that's that's the case here and that Canon Fragelli is going to miraculously recover and will forever be known as the miraculous recovery priest who was on ventilator and life support and came back from the brink.
0: And if you don't, if you haven't heard anything about this priest before, he was at the uh, institute mission in is it Gabon? Gabon. He, he was yeah. in Africa and and uh, he was initially uh, at a hospital down there and then he was medevac to um, it's where the Institute has their, their international seminary in, in Florence, I think it was what it was. Mm-hmm. And with regard to uh, him having intercession for the cases of fertility, I know a family or two who, who have talked to him about this and it's in, in Florence, there is a, um, a famous statue or chapel to the Bambino Gesu, And, and apparently there are, I say apparently a lot too much. Anyway, if you, the devotions, carried out at that location have been renowned for centuries for um, providing offspring when, when hope had been lost Mm -hmm. and uh, he was, he was doing that for people who requested it on their behalf. So it was prayers of agency. Yes. I'm, I'm sure he's a very holy man and his prayers made all the difference, but it was also a matter of being connected to that other um, uh, devotion that had you had the opportunity to actually go to Florence and not be distracted by the Duomo and everything else going on uh, in, in the city you go to that location pray to the Bombino Jesu and immediately go back to where you came from you might have had the same results but mm-hmm. um, not to take anything away from him but that was that was the the greater yeah, the that, story. that was yeah. that was the complete story of the uh, the intercessions uh, for fertility yeah uh, the point being here is that without the priests, um, we are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we can't have our priests, or we can't have our sins forgiven, without the priests. Um, except if you have perfect contrition, and perfect contrition is not the easiest thing to bank on. Uh, so please pray for these priests. Um, they need our prayers, and. Uh, Especially in the case of Canon Virgili, he really needs our prayers. Um, hopefully, yeah. he has makes a full recovery and can go back and do some amazing things in Africa. I would heard some stories about what he was able to achieve down there already, and it's nothing short of um, astonishing. And yes, Satan would be doing a happy dance if 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 this priest didn't get back to his mission in Africa.
1: It's it's amazing. If you've ever seen any pictures of that of that school and that mission that the Institute of Christ the King has down in Gabon, which is it's, you know, one of those West African destitute poverty. It is a scary place. And um, I, I look at those pictures and those children are getting 10 times the education that I got. I can guarantee you that. Those children are receiving just an incredible education. And again, it's all just complete destitute poverty. But those kids are all in beautifully turned out in, in um in uniforms and singing and, and learning. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And they're getting, they're getting now, they've been down there long enough and they've been active down there long enough that now the vocations are starting to come. Um, there's, I think they already have a couple of, of priests ordained who are Gabonese, but, um, I think just looking at pictures and stuff I think they have now several seminarians in the pipeline and so yeah it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you're going to have these these priests coming from the third world as some people would say that Gabon is the fourth world and man these are going to be these are going to be incredible amazing priests you can you can just see it so yeah, prayers all around. It's not, it's not as if the Gabon mission is going to, is going to cease to exist if Canon Frigelli does in fact die, but, um, he's well-loved and well-respected and he's the, he, I think he's in charge down there. He was the man in charge in Gabon. So, um, they, they want him back. I <laughs> mean, they, they definitely want him back. So prayers all around, P- please.
0: And you mentioned that they aren't um i forget the exact word you used, and they're the the folks in Gabon are not rich or any, or, or well off and i i want to qualify that by western standards
1: yeah by western by western standards,
0: standards if our air conditioner turns off, we want to riot and go sue yeah, somebody exactly they it, it's a much simpler life in other other parts of the world, and we would do well to remember that just be what we consider to be successful and and good the good life here yeah. what is that doing for your soul? Yeah, and 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 you know the, the the folks who have nothing or next comparatively speaking, I make I'm I'm making my own mistake here, um, but if they have the faith and they're learning, mm-hmm. they have more than us.
1: Yeah, I've and I've heard multiple people who have done significant missionary work in Africa say that the people are ju- they're happy. They're happy in a way that people in the first world are not happy. And they live in destitute poverty by first world standards. and they're just joy-filled people. And but uh, they don't have TV. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. that's that goes a long way. They actually have to I- engage and interact with each other. Imagine that first worlders, you know, yeah.
0: It reminds me of the meme of of somebody asking an Amish dude at at the store, why aren't you afraid of COVID-19? He says, I don't have a TV. I
1: don't have a a television. That's right. That's right. Yep.
0: So, yes, please, please pray for the priests. And the the next item here the barnhart podcast is a production of super Nerd media if you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value you know the whole value for value thing mm-hmm. uh please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more where there is a donation button and i would like to recognize a couple donors since the last podcast mary and sally and that seems like a really short list but it's been two weeks as opposed to four so it, it makes sense that the list would be shorter
1: you haven't heard from rick james
0: i think they're conspiring they're going to send in a donation together i think
1: Okay, good, good, good.
0: And no Bitcoin since January 5th. I did check. (laughs) And that brings us to Matthew 1720.
1: Matthew 17, 20, fast twice a week and pray every day, all day, every day, for our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death, and someday achieve the beatific vision. And likewise for Pope Benedict, that he repent of anything that he might need to repent of, that he die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us.
0: And uh, on this Feast of the Sacred Heart, I'm I'm sure I should be saying something about the French and the massive lost opportunities in history. Um, Obviously, through the revelations of saint margaret mary Alacoque, the opportunity was made to the kings of france Mm -hmm. to consecrate that country to the sacred heart and to be victorious against all their enemies in all their wars and at the time you know france was that was before they were um generally considered to be a bunch of surrender monkeys Mm -hmm. but if you look at where they were up to that point and then look at it afterwards, I have to think there is a direct cause and effect to that. But more than that, look at what has happened in the religious political realm in Europe and that has spread worldwide since. Mm -hmm. The French Revolution directly could have been stopped and not just stopped, but even the spirit that led to it could have been rolled back. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Had France consecrated the they had had the King of France consecrated the the country to the Sacred Heart, and let's not forget that we're the time is the, the clock is ticking with regard to Our Lady of Fatima, saying that uh, the Pope will suffer the fate of the King of France if my immac- if Russia is not consecrated to my Immaculate Heart.
1: Mm-hmm. We all know how that ended for Louis the Yeah, so, yeah, and, and yeah.
0: We think the time is twenty twenty nine sometime. I don't know. I don't know the exact date. I'm sure somebody will email me on that but 2029 is not as far away as it used to be and no. um, we're getting there we're getting close we're getting there
1: yep. yep and
0: that that makes the matthew 1720 initiative really important too because who is the pope between now and then
1: well it's it's just ever so slightly ever so slightly important i've i was always absolutely flummoxed for these past years watching watching trad catholic pundits and talking heads argue that it doesn't matter who who the Pope is or who the world thinks the Pope is. It doesn't matter. You're wasting your time. You're tilting at windmills. It doesn't matter. Well, Bergoglio is going to try to suppress the, the mass and uh, he's going to ratify sodomy and do all kinds of things. Um, and you're telling me that it doesn't matter who the vicar of Christ is or is not. Well, if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't matter who the vicar of Christ is, then the vicariate itself is irrelevant. So what you're arguing is that the papacy itself is irrelevant, which is exactly wrong because it is the rock upon which Christ built, built the church. And, um, yeah, that's, that's just ever so slightly important, and we are not Eastern Orthodox schismatics because the papacy is, and the pope is in his person, the principle of unity and the standard of schism. He's just ever so slightly important. And so all this argumentation that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, um, no, that is, that is completely and totally, totally false. It matters a lot. And in fact, it is precisely barring, you know, just total supernatural intervention and St. Peter and Paul in the sky with flaming swords and all that, which would be awesome, by the way. Hey, it's it's lightsabers,
0: not flaming swords,
1: Oh, lightsabers, lightsabers, Um, barring that what is will be and is required to undo this just unbelievable mess that we're in right now with regards to the church militant and the institutional church and the infiltration, what you need is precisely the authority of the papacy and the authority of the Pope as the absolute monarch that he is. And so um, you've got people who are arguing against the very thing, (laughs) the very paradigm that is, is the hope and is the way out of this mess because he is whoever he is, and right now it's obviously Joseph Ratzinger, the Pope is that absolute monarch and it is his authority that can just go in and fix fix a whole heck of a lot of this. And yes, there are things you can do. A Pope could liquidate the entire College of Cardinals and then reboot it and start over w- fresh with 12, 12 men who aren't even bishops. You know, you can, you can, Clean house when you have that kind of authority, and when you have an absolute monarchy. So when people are arguing against all that, and you know, going going east into into the schismatic Orthodox because they hate the papacy because of Bergoglio, well, Satan is squealing with delight at that point. Don't be dumb. I mean, the the church has been right for two thousand years. All of the doctors, all of the saints. All everybody for two thousand years has been in total agreement on this point. Papacy is important; it's really important, and um, it's precisely that authority that keeps things in check. And when you're in a situation like this, um, it's that authority that can fix a lot of the damage and do it and do it relatively quickly. Believe it or not.
0: And, call, and calling on the infinite merits of the Sacred Heart is a good way to begin that healing. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've we've done this to ourselves, and we've, yeah. we've ignored the merits that Christ has won for us. And so, like Saint um, John Yude says, we we get the pastors we deserve,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and if we want to turn that around, the the conversion starts with us, and then mm-hmm. to our families, to our neighborhood, and, and neighbors, and, and, and from there. But call on the sacred the the precious, the precious blood of Jesus, the sacred heart. Of um, and the graces are there.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: And until next time, I will be Supernard.
1: And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless.